You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Uh, well, this morning, would you grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 18? Uh, I want to speak to you a message this morning. I actually did it, a part of it last week in, in Woodland, um, but I've just really I heard so many responses from people uh, and I really felt like I needed to kind of expound on it this morning. And it's on the topic of forgiveness. And uh, uh, in Matthew 18, 21, it says this, if you would read along with me, it says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister when they badmouth me at church? Anybody ever asked that question before? Up to seven times, do I need to forgive brother Bob? For irritating me. Verse 22 says, Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Or in other translations, it says 70 times, seven times. Or in other words, as many times as it takes. Verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Everybody say, that's a lot of money. Was brought to him. Since he had not, was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had been sold to repay the debt. As, as At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him, as we all do when people owe us things. Pay back what you owe me. He demanded his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused and said he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Somebody is maybe thinking, that's a terrible master. But listen, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. My prayer is that every single person who walks through those doors would have an encounter with the presence of Jesus. That you would come and have an encounter in this room and thus go and have a a daily encounter with Jesus. Everybody look at me very closely. You were meant to have a daily encounter with the Lord. You are not meant to come to Sunday morning and just have a one time per week experience with Jesus. But every single day, you are to encounter him, to meet with him, not only to read of his word, but to meet with the living God that is alive today. Let me say it again. And have us all respond in faith and apply it to our lives. Every single person in this room is called to have a daily encounter with Jesus. Amen. Every single person that comes to know Jesus is meant to have a daily encounter with God. You will not make it unless you have a daily encounter with the, with the Lord. If you're wondering, why do, I, why do I find myself being anxious? Why do I find myself getting frustrated? Why do I find myself getting angry? Why do I get worried or, or whatever it may be that you go through in life? It's because you are not having your daily encounter with the Lord. And that daily encounter with the Lord is not meant for a moment. It's meant for the day. 
that you can be in communion with God, the Spirit of God, every single day. And when I go through something that, that begins to rock me, I stop and I go back into the presence of the Lord and say, God, I know I'm encountering but I need your peace in this moment. I can have daily encounters with Jesus. All of us need to have daily encounters with the Lord. And, and every person that comes through those doors as they come into this room, they, they would have an encounter in this building that they would be set free. The Bible says that you don't need to wait till heaven till you are free, but you can be free right now. So if you're struggling with pornography, if you're struggling with addictions, if you're struggling with, with homosexuality, whether you're struggling with uh, um, lust or you're struggling with fear or anxiety you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to be free but you can be free today and that as you experience freedom in this room that you would go out and experience that same freedom in your bedroom in your office in your closet the bible talks about you are to go in to the presence of the lord and shut the door behind you and be with the lord daily Every single person in this room needs to have a daily commitment to spending time with the Lord. For some of you, that may mean two hours. For some of you, you may get 20 minutes. You need a daily encounter with Jesus. We can't say it enough. We're going to keep saying it. You need to meet with the Lord. Open up the word of God. Do you realize some people are asking me all the time, they're like, I just, I don't know if I can hear God's voice for this season in my life. It's right here. He is but a breath away he's at arms reach the kingdom of god is at hand we must spend time with him and you will be able to hear his voice and we live in a culture oftentimes that's about more of an, an external expression rather than an internal commitment of heart right we see this all throughout society like we we do we'll stand for something until it comes against uh, makes us feel uncomfortable and then we'll run the other way because our hearts really are not committed to it right we go through the motions but if we're being honest our hearts are not really in it i see even with my kids i see it in church my kids will be standing there in worship and uh, they'll be lifting their hands i've got a 10 and an 8 and a 4 year old they'll be worshiping their hand lifting their hands and i go to them like israel you're lifting your hands because jesus is real you're not simply lifting your hands be and I, I, I don't know if you guys will watch me if with my kids they've come here a few times but when i stand next to them during worship i'll regularly lean down to them and say hey guys don't forget here's why we're worshiping because i never wanted to be an outward expression without an internal commitment you follow right so when pastor luke or luke gill or casey are up here and there and they're they're encouraging us to respond to the lord sometimes we just do it because we're like well everybody else is doing it but i'm responding not just with an action but with a heart Right, we say this even when we're praying with our kids is we're like, hey, we're sitting around the dinner table. God, thank you for this food. Bless this food. Let me just get over the prayer so I can eat. No, but it's like, let's take a moment. God, thank you. Let your heart respond to the Lord. Because I don't want to be a person that just does actions. I want my heart to be surrendered to Jesus. Amen? We, we have this conversation with our kids when it comes to uh, uh, various activities, even with like sports and things where it's like, hey, if you want to commit to this, it's going to take more than just going to practice. It's going to take more than just showing up at a game, but you need to work at it. You need to study. You need to invest yourself. And if you don't, if you aren't bought in and sold out, sold out to it, then you'll probably find yourself maybe not as good as you want to be. Equally with the Lord, if, if my heart is not surrendered to God, I'm going to find myself distant from him because I'm simply going through the motions. 
You understand what I'm saying? The Bible talks about many people who will profess him with their lips, but do what? Anybody know? Anybody help me? But do what? The hearts will be far from them. They will deny him by their life. There's many people, and this is speaking to people in the church, in this room, professing Jesus with their lips, but denying him by their lifestyle. We have a lot of people in the American church today professing Jesus with actions, yet denying him by their life. And this is what this, this last verse in this passage is talking about. It says, this is how your heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. There's something about doing something from your heart that's not merely actions. My kids, oftentimes, they'll get in disagreements. Anybody's kids ever get in disagreements or just mine? Praise the Lord. And um, uh, my kids will be getting in a disagreement. They'll argue. Something will happen. And we've got to walk through repentance and forgiveness or i will spank my child praise the lord i will spank my child and before let me tell you something if you discipline your children the process after the spanking is just as important as the act if you spank out of anger it is not good and if you leave with their heart hurt towards you it is not good it is a process so the process this is why parents don't often discipline their kids you don't got the time because to do what well takes time. And so when I come in and I discipline my child, now we take time and I make sure your heart is good. I love you. You cannot, we will not leave this until you say you love me. Is daddy angry at you? No, daddy's not, daddy's not angry. Why did you get disciplined? Because of this. I love you. We kiss, we hug, we spend time so that they leave feeling. I was not disciplined because my dad is angry at me, but I'm disciplined because my daddy loves me. I even, we have friends that we hang out with and my kids will talk about spanking because it is an ordeal. I'm not talking about spanking today. I don't know why we're going here. And, and I heard a conversation with my eight-year-old girl who was seven at the time. And this, this, her friend was like, well, my parents never spank me. And my daughter says to them, well, then they must not love you. <laughs> because in scripture, it says a father disciplines those he loves. Now, Thankfully, spanking is one tool in the tool belt, and it takes a lot of tools to build a house. So I have a lot of tools that I use, but I discipline because I love my children. I don't discipline because I'm angry at my children. For all of you parents out there, I don't even know where I was going with it. Oh, when, when, my, when my kids are in disagreements and we have to walk through repentance, and my son maybe will say, Charlie, I'm so sorry. Can you please forgive me? And then my daughter, who's eight, will be like, yes, fine. And I'm like, whoa, 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 like forgiveness is not just words saying, yes, I forgive you. Forgiveness is from your heart. So I'm like, Charlie, you are equally in fault if you just say the words, but yet you hold it against him. You must forgive him and release him from his wrongdoing. See, there's something about not just the words, but the heart that the Lord is looking for. Because we live in a culture that's all about just doing the actions, and we can just go on social media and find a bunch of actions to do. We can imitate people on a stage, but if our heart doesn't know him, this is why it says that people will stand before him at the end of time and say, we were superstar Christians for your name. We cast out demons, and we healed the sick, and we prophesied, and he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. 
It's not just actions, it's your heart. Do you know the Lord? In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This morning, I want to talk to you about a foul, demonic, lying spirit called unforgiveness. And this spirit will kill you. This demonic spirit. Now, we see each other, but the spirit realm is way more real than you and I. Y'all know that? Demons are real. The devil is real. We don't go out looking for them. I'm not trying to find one, but they are real. And their job, their assignment is to destroy you. And no matter how protected you are in life, there will be moments where you are susceptible and you open yourself up to bondage in your life. Let me give you an example. A child falls into the water at a, as a four-year-old, nearly drowns, and nobody meant for it to happen, but now all of a sudden a spirit of fear comes into their life and they are in bondage to fear and it was none of their fault. A child or a young person is abused. They did nothing to deserve it, but yet it opened the door to bondage in their life. That there are rulers and powers and principalities of darkness way more real than you are. This is why it's important to realize we don't fight against each other. I don't fight against the president. I don't fight against a school teacher. I don't fight against a co-worker. I'm not fighting against a boss. I'm fighting against powers of darkness. So my, my enemy is not who votes differently than me. My enemy is not who thinks differently than me. It is against darkness. You follow. That is significant. So people who have a political vindictive spirit, which is what many people in the, do, in the church do, is they're trying to fight against people of this world. They're fighting against man. That's not your assignment. You are not to fight against man. Some of you are like, well, I'm fighting against my spouse right now. You're not fighting against a man. You're fighting against darkness. And you might be like, well, my man is in darkness. You must separate the two. You're not fighting against man. You fight against darkness. There are spirits of fear. There are spirits of pride. There are spirits of lust. Scripture talks about them over and over and over again. And in fact, it talks about Christians can be held in bondage. Christians can be held in bondage. Let me give you an example. I can own my home. But I could leave the window open. Somebody could break in through the window and come in and reside in my house. Do I still own the home? Are they in my house though? Yes. And they will not leave until I get them out of my house. There are many Christians with windows and doors open in their life. And things have come into their life and taken residence that were never meant to be there. And they won't leave until you get them out. The problem is we have a lot of Christians who allow things in and all of a sudden they become hoarders. And the very garbage that was meant to get out of the house, we're like, well, this is awesome. You ever watch Hoarders? Anybody ever watch Hoarders, that, that TV show? I saw a little clip on YouTube one time and this person had just trash piled feet high and they were weeping. As they were taking out the trash, because it was like property to them. It was so, and it was literally garbage, like wrappers and old cans. Like, it was so important to them. This is how so many Christians are, is the trash, the very trash that came in through an opening in their life, all of a sudden is comfort to them. And that pain and that insecurity and that bitterness, this is comfort. 
We all seen those people before. Their very unforgiveness becomes their identity. And I can't let anybody in because of what happened to me. And this is just, this is now me. I'm just an angry person. And so I can't get around people who might trigger me because I'm angry. No, you need freedom. Right? Or I just have an addiction to lust. And so I can't, I can't look at anything. I can't. No, you can be free. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and rulers of, this, of darkness. And the spirit of unforgiveness will suffocate you. There is supernatural power in forgiveness. I've seen it time and time again. I, I've been in meetings where people have come up. I'm reminded of just seven or eight years ago. Somebody came up, had immense back pain. I believe there was like a disc or a herniated disc or something. And we begin to pray for him. And many people were getting healed. But this person was not getting healed. And the Lord began to speak to me. He said, ask them who they need to forgive. And I, I leaned in and I said, sir, is there somebody that you need to forgive in your life? He immediately, who knew who it was, would begin to walk through repentance. As he's forgiving them, his back gets healed. There is power in forgiveness and there is power in unforgiveness. There's another story where we were walking people through getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, beginning to pray in tongues, which if you don't know, all of you can. And it is an amazing gift where your spirit begins to communicate with the Lord and it stirs your spirit. So when you feel weak, when you feel stressed, when you don't feel peace, you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden it begins to stir you up. You don't know what you're saying, but you're communicating in your spirit to the Lord. And we were praying for different people to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Everybody was beginning to pray in the Holy Spirit, except one person. In fact, this man's wife was praying in the Holy Spirit, but yet he wasn't. And everybody's coming over, and they were shundying it up, trying to do whatever they could to just get them to, to begin to pray out in the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't working. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me, and he's like, ask him who he needs to forgive. So I leaned in, and as soon as I'm saying the words, he's like, it's my dad. And we walk through forgiveness with his father and as, as he's forgiving his dad he begins to pray out in the holy spirit there's a other stories that i've had where husbands and wives have been struggling they've they aren't able to be intimate any longer they aren't having communication with things they're they're struggling in terms of their relationship and just even being in love with one another and as we go into conversation we realize that one of them or both of them is harboring bitterness or unforgiveness to each other or to somebody else not even with each other sometimes. And as we walk through forgiveness, all of a sudden the love is restored in the relationship. Intimacy comes back into the relationship. Communication, because trust is back in the relationship. There is power in forgiveness. There's other stories that I've had with, with different people who come to church and they can't seem to find relationship. They can't seem to build connection with people. They'll walk and be like, we've never been at another church like this. This is wonderful. Like you probably, Luke, you've heard these stories before. People are like, this is the most wonderful place. I just walk in and I can feel the presence of God. But they're like, but I just can't seem to find any connection with people. I can't seem to like build relationship. And then come to find out through conversation, well, they have been severely wounded by a pastor. They've been hurt by leaders. They've been let down by people in the church. And now their guard is up. And now they won't allow themselves to become um, friends or build relationship with people. And as soon as we walk through forgiveness, all of a sudden relationships begin to come. Community begins to come. I wonder how many people in this room can relate 
to some of those stories, can relate to feeling like, can you open that for me, can relate to feeling like they've been wounded, thus guards have been put up out of fear of not wanting to be hurt again. And what we do is we begin to just fixate and meditate on the wound and on the hurt rather than realizing that we can actually be free. And my, my prayer today, my belief today is that for many of you, that there's been areas of resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness in your life that you've, you've created furniture for it, as I described the hoarders. And Thanksgiving comes around and holidays come around. Church comes around. And the bitterness and the hurt that you felt, you just find ways to manage it, to try not to get hurt again, but never actually resolving it. How do you know if you're in that place? You say things like, yeah, I just, I can't hang out with them all the time because if I do, it just drives me crazy. Or if I, 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 like, I can't really be around my family during the holidays because it just reminds me of all the things that have happened. Or when somebody else says something to you, it triggers memories and pains of what you've gone through and you begin to go into a tailspin. Or a spouse or a loved one, you can't quite trust their word any longer. If people have to earn your trust, you probably have areas of unforgiveness. See, we desire to create a culture at the Promise Church where trust is not earned, trust is lost. You might be like, well, what does that even mean? That means Luke comes in to relationship with me. He doesn't have to earn my trust. He doesn't have to prove himself. I immediately trust him. He has to lose it. See, we live in a culture that's all about you got to prove yourself and then I'll trust you. That's not the kingdom of God. I will trust you until trust is broken. You follow? In Matthew 6, 14 through 15, it says, For if you forgive other people, Everybody turn there real quick. I want you to, or is it on the screen? All right. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, everybody look at this. For if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly father will not forgive your sins. We see this in the Lord's prayer. It says, pray this way. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who have trespassed against us. Right? We know this. As we forgive, Father, forgive me. Freely you have received forgiveness. Now freely give it away. We see this in this passage with the servant. And the servant comes and it says he's, he owes 10,000 bags of gold. Now, one bag of gold equals one talent. One talent equals 20 years of daily wages. And there's 10,000 of them. That's 200 years of daily wages. That's an insurmountable amount of money. And that's what the servant owns. That depicts you and I. Anybody remember when they deserved hell? When they deserved death? It, great. Thank you. Two of us. Anybody else remember before they were perfect Christians? Remember when you were steeped in sin, right? That is this man. This man deserves death. This man cannot pay back. There is nothing you could do to pay back what you owe. And every single person in this room deserves death. 
every single one. And we come to the Father and we say, Father, forgive me of my sins. There is a debt I am incapable of paying back. And he comes and he says, I have forgiven you. My blood, the son, the, my son's blood paid for your debt. Come into eternal life with me. This is, all of us are this servant. And then that same servant, us, go back and what once was 200 years worth of wages that we owed an insurmountable debt one or a hundred bags of silver equals one daily wage so 200 years and one day's wage is what somebody owes us and we look at them and we want to throw them into prison let me give you an example of what that looks like you deserve hell you deserve death you deserve to be placed upon that cross just as Jesus was. Nails put into your hands and your feet. And yet he took your place. When you didn't deserve it, when you didn't even ask for forgiveness yet, he took your place. And then you staring at that cross, turn immediately away and say, you hurt me. You offended me. You go on that cross now because of what you did. This is what we do all the time. We deserve death. Somebody else wrongs us in a mediocre, small way. Now, for some of us, we've been really hurt. For some of us, we've been abused. We've been taken advantage of. We've been let down. Pastors, family members, parents, siblings have done things that have hurt us and wounded us in ways that very few people have maybe even heard but it is pales in comparison to the debt that we owed. And if we're all being honest this morning, the debt and what we deserved for our life of sin is so much greater than what any person has done to us, no matter how bad it really is. And this servant goes to this person who has wronged him and says, how dare I? this is what we do. You hurt me, now I'm running. You hurt me, now I'm just not going to be around you anymore. You hurt me, now I'm just going to build up barriers so I don't get hurt again. And unforgiveness begins to set into our hearts. And it says that that person was thrown into prison. Now, we may listen to that and be like, well, that sounds terrible. Like, why would a master do that? But I want you to, to just listen to this. It says... His master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. When you harbor unforgiveness, it is like torture. It will feel as if you are tortured. Anybody in here who has unforgiveness in your heart, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It feels torturous. Now, maybe not all the time, but those moments when you're around them, those moments where those memories come up, when you're triggered here or there, it feels like you're being tortured. And you are allowing yourself to stay in there. But today, you can be free from that torture. Today, you can be free. In Luke 6, 37, it says, forgive and you will be forgiven. 
we must have an encounter with the love of Jesus. When we know his love for us, it's easy for us to give love to other people. That's why it says, freely you have received, now freely give. But too often we say, wow, that forgiveness is so great. I don't know if I want to share that with anybody else because you made me mad. You offended me. Anybody in this church never been wounded before? Just want a show of hands of whoever is liars in the church? Great. We're all honest people. All of us have been wounded. All of us have been hurt. We have equally hurt. Anybody in this room that says, well, I've never hurt anybody, you're a liar. All of us have been hurt and all of us have hurt. And we have desired forgiveness and we must freely give forgiveness. You will not be able to forgive until you first encounter the love of Jesus. It says in Colossians 2, 13 through 15, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed, here we go, the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. Forgiveness reminds the devil every time that he is lost because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy you. And the best way to do that is through other people. And then when you forgive them, you are making a public spectacle of the devil saying, you cannot harm me because my joy is not found in this life. My joy is found in Jesus. If you're wondering why your joy continues to be stolen from you, it's probably because you aren't hiding it deep down in your heart, right? We know, all know the child song. I've got the joy, joy down in my heart. Some of us just keep it on the surface and people just come steal it away. But my joy is down too deep for you to take it from me. doesn't matter what may come my way. I can still find joy because it's in Jesus. It's not in what may happen to me. Forgiveness destroys the works of darkness in your life. And nails it back to that cross. Nails the devil onto that cross saying, you will never defeat me. You cannot be a Christian and walk in unforgiveness. I'm just going to say that just one more time. Just make sure we all hear it again. You cannot be a Christian and walk in unforgiveness. It is a foundation to the faith in Jesus. You can't do it. Unforgiveness will destroy you from the inside out. Anybody here ever seen somebody like just bitter in their face, like their whole countenance changes? Anybody here ever seen that before? Like it's noticeable people who have unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment in their life, it literally from the inside out destroys them. You cannot be a Christian and walk in unforgiveness. I'm building a house. Oh, let me rephrase that. Somebody is building a house for me because if I built it, it no one would want to live in there. It would be terrible. Um, somebody is building us a house and it's been a process. Anybody here build homes or ever been in a home? Like it takes, it takes a long time. Well, I went into this process being like by Christmas. Well, by Christmas, I hope it's closed, like sealed in. (laughs) Right. But it's like, it's like middle of July is when it will be done. Well, so for like three weeks, 
all we had was a foundation. But at least it was something, right? Because they got to move the dirt first and then they come in and they set the foundations. And we were so excited that something was happening. But after like the first day of the foundation, we're like, can you put wood on there? Because we didn't really want to invite anybody over to show them the house. We weren't too excited because I don't know if you've ever seen just a foundation before. It's not that thrilling. In fact, when the builder comes over, we have a retaining wall on one side. We're like, hey, can you put the siding over the retaining wall so nobody sees the foundation? Like, we aren't impressed by it. We don't care about it. In fact, unless you build foundations, you are the only one who cares about foundations. But if there is a crack in that foundation, we care about that foundation. That's about the only time we care if there is a foundation that works or not. Because if there's a crack on there, you cannot build on that foundation. There is a foundation in each one of our lives. And if there is unforgiveness in your heart, there is a massive crack in your foundation. Thus, God cannot build upon it. If you have unforgiveness in your life, you will not be able to spiritually grow. And you will wonder, why am I not hearing the Lord? Why am I not growing in my faith? Why am I not able to break free in this area? Why am I not responding to the Lord? Why do I not even have a desire to be with him? It's because there is a crack in your foundation. And in the kindness of God, he will not build upon a cracked foundation. Because if he builds upon it, it will collapse. And so he waits. It's the kindness of God that delays the growth and waits for you to become healed so he can build upon you. And I would assume that there are people in this room who have allowed cracks into their foundation. And you've wondered, why am I not growing in the Lord? Why are things not changing in my life? It's because you've allowed a crack to come. And I, I wonder this morning how different ones of if different ones of us have been wounded. Jesus, he was wounded in his hands and he was wounded in his feet and he was wounded in his side. And his disciples came to him when he was raised from the dead and they wanted proof that he was who he said he was, right? They said, we need to see the scars in his hands and in his feet and in his side to prove that he's not an imposter, think about that for a moment we like to think man those disciples were awesome they needed proof that it was jesus even if it looked like him proved to us jesus proved his presence by his scars we oftentimes prove the presence of jesus by our successes let's think about that for a moment we like to prove that Jesus is in our life by all the awesome things that are happening. Look at that person that was just saved. Look at my amazing marriage. Look at the house and the car. Look at my job, my, my bank account. It's proof that the presence of God is in my life. But Jesus' is proof that he was there is like, hey, you want to know it's me? Look at my scars. Stick your hand right where the spear went. I'm so thankful that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he didn't come out perfect. He came out with his scars. He came out with his scars in it. And actually, if you, if you read in this passage, it says in verse 26 of, of uh, John 20, it says a week later, think about that. So Jesus appears to the disciples, but Thomas isn't there, right? Doubting Thomas. And then Jesus wakes seven more days. Like that seems like a real jerk move to me. 
Like, imagine Thomas waiting for some. Why does God delay? Anybody ever been like, God, that just seems like you're being a jerk to me. Why would you make me wait for so long? Anybody here in delay moments in their life right now where it's like, it'd be really nice if you would just do this right now. Why does God delay seven long days? He has to listen to Peter go on and on how Jesus walked through the wall and came in and he got to talk to him and touch his hands. And here's Thomas like, God, I'm ready. Jesus, just would you just come? And he's waiting seven long days. I wonder how many times the delays are actually for our benefit. The sovereignty of the Lord to delay for you to grow to finally see the outcome you've been waiting for. Some of those things take decades. Some of those things take months. The delays, some, sometimes I'm in the midst of the delay and I'm praying for the other side. And then I get to the other side and I actually miss the moment of the delay because it's in that delay where my heart is drawn to God. You might know what I'm talking about. That's a great place to say, wow, yes, amen. It's in the delay that your heart should be drawn to the Lord. Oftentimes, it's in the times of blessing where you begin to relax and you don't pursue him anymore. So he creates many times those delay seasons that your heart would be stirred to be drawn towards the Lord. So after seven days, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. He wasn't going to miss this chance again. So the doors were locked still. They were still scared. They were still freaked out. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus did not remove his scars. In fact, he's like, yo, Thomas, touch the very place where they hurt me. Touch where I was wounded. They tried to kill me, but I'm not dead anymore. I'm so thankful Jesus was not ashamed of his scars. Many of us will try to wear, put our sleeves all the way down to try to cover up every place we've been hurt. We won't talk about it. We won't admit it. We won't be vulnerable about it. But yet Jesus was not intimidated by it. He rolled up the sleeves and said, hey, here's where they tried to wound me. Too often people in the church try to cover up where you've been scarred, where you've been hurt, and healing can't come, and those sores have festered, and the bleeding has not stopped for years. And what you do when you create unforgiveness in your life, you create it, remember. Nobody else creates it for you. You create unforgiveness. Is you create a prison cell. You create bar after bar around you and to try to prevent yourself from ever being hurt again. And people who carry unforgiveness will ask these questions. Why won't God ever use me? Why won't God ever use me to advance his kingdom? I keep seeing other people use. Why won't he use me? It's because you've created a jail cell for yourself and he's calling for you, but you're stuck. You can't respond to him because you've kept yourself locked up. And when you, allow un, when you allow forgiveness to come into your life, a prisoner is released, and you are that prisoner. Unforgiveness locks yourself up in jail. And when you finally allow the supernatural power of unforgiveness to come, the prison doors are open, and now you're able to walk free in your relationships, in your relationship with the Lord, in your purpose in your life. You can be free by simply allowing forgiveness to come in. And I wonder how many of us have tried to hide our wounds. 
We won't talk about them. People will give us opportunities to discuss them, to walk through repentance, and we'll hide away. I don't want to talk about it. It's too painful. It hurts too bad. And so we cover them up. Today, it's time to not be ashamed of your wounds any longer. It's time to reveal them and to allow healing to come, to let Jesus come in. And he says, I know exactly how you felt. I know what it's like to be persecuted. I know what it's like to be neglected, to be ostracized, to be left alone. All of his disciples left him in his greatest weakness, greatest moment of need. All of his disciples left him. He knows what it's like to be left out. He knows what it's like to not be wanted. He knows what it's like to be abused and hurt. He knows what it's like to have people in authority hurt you and say things falsely about you, to neglect you, to ostracize you. He knows exactly what that feels like. And when forgiveness comes, oftentimes we'll say, well, they don't deserve my forgiveness. They will never deserve it. They will never be able to deserve your forgiveness. Equally, you were never able to deserve the forgiveness from Jesus. Forgiveness is not about them deserving it because forgiveness is not for them. See, oftentimes we're like, well, I don't know if I, they deserve, they, they don't deserve me to forgive because you think if you forgive them, it lets them off the hook. No, if you forgive them, it lets you off the hook. Forgiveness is for you. If Luke hurts me, I'm not forgiving him so he feels better. I'm forgiving him so I am free. God has to work on his heart. I don't have that authority over him. But when I forgive, now I am set free. You follow? At the Promise Church, forgiveness is not an option. It's not an option. It's too crucial. It's too foundational to faith. We must lean into those difficult, awkward, sensitive moments because forgiveness, the supernatural power, it releases something in our lives we cannot get another way. I want to just give you two ways of how you know that you have forgiven somebody. Because I believe that there's people in this room who you've said words before, but your heart has truly not, not forgiven them. Just as I said at the beginning, we confess things with our mouth but our heart is far from him. We've said, I forgive them, but in reality, we truly have not. How do you know if you've forgiven somebody? You have released that person. You no longer need justice. Oh, Casey hurts my feelings. I I feel hurt. I feel like he doesn't value me or trust me or care about me. And now I hope that somehow this gets justified. Somehow it's proven to him that I am good. I hope that somehow it's proven to him that people do like me, that people do want to be around because he hurt my feelings. I hope something happens to him. We don't need to be justified any longer. If we've forgiven somebody, we do not need justice. If we've forgiven somebody, we don't need their minds to be changed about us. There's a lot of people in this room who have probably been hurt by fathers. And fathers have, unfortunately have, in our culture today, have missed the mark on so many levels. And this, this hurt and pain of having a father in your life or a lack thereof or an abusive father causes people to run to things and to look for answers to try to fill that void. And for those fathers in this room, we need to climb higher 
as fathers. Even when we're tired, we're dad. Even when all we want is for it to be about us, we didn't become parents for it to be about us. We're here to invest in our children. And for those of you in this room who have hurts and pains towards a father, I believe that this morning there's going to be immense healing in your life. It's one of the biggest wounds that we encounter in church is fathers letting you down, hurting you, neglecting you, labeling you, not supporting you. How do you know if you've walked through forgiveness? You've released that person. Number two is the pain is replaced by love. The pain is replaced by love. We can have the worship team come up. You know that you've walked through forgiveness when now you love them more than you despise them. Better way to say it is when you only love them. Right? So if somebody in this room hurts me, if Cain hurts me, oftentimes what it sounds like is I'm praying about Cain. Oh, God, just help Cain change. God, that Cain would just not be that way any longer. God, just help Cain that he would just begin to talk better, that he wouldn't be that way, that he wouldn't create that environment in my home around our kids. But see, when I've forgiven him, now I'm not praying about him. I'm praying for him. Oh, God, bless Cain. God, that he would feel your love. God, that him and his family would be blessed. How do you know you've forgiven somebody? When your pain is replaced by love. We need to be a church that, are not, that is not suffocated by the spirit of unforgiveness. And today you can be free. Today you can walk in not only repentance to the Lord to say, God, forgive me for carrying this burden and not surrendering it to you, but also walking in now forgiveness to the individual who has hurt you and let you down and releasing them and releasing yourself at the same time. Why don't you stand with me? This morning, if you're here and you're struggling with unforgiveness in your life, there's pain and hurts that you've allowed to stay and to fester, I just want you to raise your hand. Areas of unforgiveness that you've allowed to stay hurts and wounds. This morning, would everybody in the room just close your eyes? If you raised your hand, I just want you to put your hands out. Just put your hands out and close your eyes. Spirit, we take authority right now over every lie of darkness that would try to convince people that they must protect themselves from being hurt, that they were the reason why that happened to them, that it's actually their fault. And Holy Spirit, I ask for you to come into this room right now. The healing breath of the Lord, come. Those of you who raised your hands, I want you to just ask the Lord, say, Jesus, help me to forgive today. And I want you to begin to say out loud that person's name. Maybe it's your father, maybe it's your mother, and just say, I forgive my dad. Whoever it is, just say it out loud. I forgive 
my pastor. I forgive that man, that woman, whoever it is. Begin out loud to say it. Maybe you need to say it again and again and again and just build it into your spirit. I forgive this person and begin to say, I release them. I release them. I release them. I no longer hold it against them. I no longer need justice. I release them. And now what I want you to do is I want you to begin to pray for them. Not about them. I want you to begin to pray for them. This may be the hardest part to do. Whoever it is who wronged you, I want you to say, Father, bless them. Lord, I pray that you bless them. I pray that you would encounter them this morning. God, that they would know your love, that they would receive a revelation of who you are today. God, that their family would be blessed, that their finances would be blessed. God, I pray that you would cover them right now, that anything that is coming to destroy them, that you would turn it around to bless them. God, thank you for them. Bless them. Favor them in Jesus' name. Now, for those of you who are needing to find forgiveness this morning, just look at me real quick. Just look at me. Forgiveness comes by faith. That's how forgiveness comes. It doesn't come by just being like, so is it done? It's done. Check the box and now it's over with. It's done by faith. Forgiveness requires faith. That comes through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, if you have not received the Holy Spirit, you can begin to ask the Lord, say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. But if you are struggling with being like, have I really forgiven them? I want to dispel doubts in your mind. Because the moment you walk out of here, the moment you see them again, you might begin to think, well, I still feel something. There's still still a wound there. It's by faith. And so I'm going to continue to begin to pray for them. The devil's going to come and try to remind you. Remember what they said about you. Remember what they did to you. But I walk by faith and not by sight. So I don't, I, I don't walk by my wounds or my scars. I walk by faith. So yes, they have wronged me. But now I'm going to be with them for Christmas. I'm going to see them during holidays times. I'm going to, I'm going to be with them tomorrow at the office. And although they hurt me, I'm going by faith to say, you may have wounded me, but I am now healed. Okay? It takes faith. To go from a wound to a scar takes time. There is a process of forgiveness. And this morning, my prayer is that the healing process would begin. I just want to pray over you again. So everybody in this room, would you just close your eyes and would you just receive? Because I believe that there are some of you who did not respond this morning that need forgiveness. So Lord, I pray that every wound that has come into this place every wound that has been that has been done from a pastor or a leader in ministry that has come from a parent or a family member God I just pray for healing this morning God we need your healing we need your healing Jesus come Come, Lord Jesus, come. We plead the blood of Jesus that would come and be poured over our minds. God, we're not at, we, we know that you kept your scars. God, we know that it's our scars that are going to help other people walk through the same thing. So, Lord, now we begin to thank you 
God, it's, it's the journey that actually prepared us to be who we were. God, thank you for bringing me through. God, thank you for bringing me healing. God, thank you for even those moments when I didn't think you were with me. God, you were with me. Even when I thought I was all alone, God, you were with me in that moment. You understand what it feels like to be wounded. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for your healing. Church, this morning, can you just begin to lift your hands and thank the Lord? Can you just begin to thank Him for His forgiveness? Can you begin to thank Him for the love that's filling your heart right now towards those individuals? Can you begin to thank Him for the forgiveness that's coming into your heart? Begin just to worship Him and lift your voice to the King of Kings, who when you didn't deserve it, loved you. When you didn't deserve it, He gave His life for you. Come on, everybody in this room, just begin to thank the Lord. Christ my Savior, Christ my 